I want to welcome you into the Sunday preaching podcast of the Point Church located in beautiful Perdido Key, Florida. I'm Tim Coleman, the senior pastor, and we believe strongly in the expositional preaching of God's Word that builds our faith and grows us up in Christ. I'm glad you're either downloading the sermon or listening live to our service, and I pray that this message is a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join me as we get to the point. A few years ago, I was seeing my personal physician, and he was telling me about being on an airplane with a young Marine, and they were talking about going to church. And he asked the young man, do you have a church that you attend? And the young man responded by saying, well, you know, I've been attending a church, but quite honestly, uh, the preacher preaches on a screen every Sunday. And he said, I've been thinking about going somewhere just because I, I like a live preacher. And so the doctor said, uh, hey, man, come with me this Sunday. I, the, we don't preach on a screen at our church. We always have someone up there in the pulpit, the pastor's there preaching. And so come go with me. He said, I'll meet you in the parking lot. Well, sure enough, the young man showed up that Sunday and the doctor welcomed him and his family. And they went in and he sat with them and uh, the music went, the song service finished up and it was time for the preaching. And lo and behold, up there on the screen, his pastor had made a video sermon. We got a big laugh out of that uh, in his office that day. This is two weeks in a row that uh, I'm preaching on the screen here, and I know that it's not uh, what I want to do. It's not uh, where I want to be. I want to be there with you in the room, uh, but God has uh, chosen for me to be at home with my family uh, we continue to, to battle the COVID, and our son Andrew is our latest one that has it. And so we certainly would appreciate you remembering him in prayer. And good news, our daughter Lexi, my wife Misty, they are improving and, uh, and getting better every day, and they'll be out of the house here really soon. But thank you for praying for us. I was writing a blog this week. Uh, Jordan had asked me about uh, starting a blog page on our website to just write some thoughts and I've done a couple of those, and I'd love for you to go and read them. But I was writing one this week, and I entitled it Roller Coasters, uh, and just uh, talked about growing up riding rides at the State Fair and that kind of thing. And, and while I was writing that article, it, it was like the Lord just put the brakes on my message for today. And I had been preparing First uh, Timothy chapter 6, the first few verses, but it was like the Lord said, no, the, the church needs a different message today. The church needs a different word. And I was uh, drawn uh, there in my study upstairs uh, to John chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. A church, uh, just hear my heart for a minute. I know that the goal of the message today is, and the, the gathering is to be encouraged, but you and I know that we're living in troubled times. It seems like every direction I turn, even this week, there has been one situation after another to pray about, talking with pastors about death in their church, speaking to a pastor this week who uh, was at one of our local hospitals, and he just said the scene there was just surreal. So many families were weeping and mourning and crying over the loss of the loved one or someone that was close to pass. I was on the phone this week with a pastor who was on his way to a funeral of a military veteran who had fought in Afghanistan. And because of everything going on, all of the turmoil and, and his disappointment and frustration with 
the way things have gone, he uh, got so overwhelmed with life that he actually uh, took his life. At this particular juncture in our church, it's not uh, anyone's fault per se, but it's just kind of the way it is. We have more people now who are struggling and uh, in counseling, and I praise God that counseling is available. But the reality of it is, is there's a lot of people that are in need. We live in a world upheaval. We're in the middle of a aggressive uh, pandemic, and it's easy for us as Christians to get bogged down in the troubles of this world. My heart was drawn to John chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. As I was sitting there in my study, I was thinking about how many times I have preached John 14 in the setting of a funeral, in the time of mourning, in the time of sadness and tragedy. And, and certainly John 14, 1 through 7, along with Psalm 23, has probably, as Spurgeon said, dried more tears of believers than any passage in the Bible. As I was sitting there and I was looking at John chapter 14, it was like the Lord spoke to me and said that this passage, what Jesus is saying to his disciples here, it is primarily for the living. It's, it's not for those that have deceased or even those that are close to passing away, but rather it is real time in the moment. Jesus speaking to his disciples about life. Now, I want you to think about the picture. If you think about John, the book of John, you know that there was some trouble in John chapter 11. Jesus had experienced the death of his friend Lazarus, John eleven thirty five. It says that Jesus wept. And now Jesus gathers his disciples up in chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16 of John. It is the time when he is gathered with them at what we know as the Last Supper. Let me read for you John 14, verses 1 through 7. Hear the word of the Lord. The scripture says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And this is the word of the Lord. Here are some words from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, directly to his followers. Are you a follower of Christ today? Has there been a time in your life when you acknowledged that you were a sinner, you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you confessed your sin and confessed him as Lord. A time when you were truly born again, born from above, John chapter 3. If you're a Christian today, a Christ follower, these words spoken by our Lord at the table with his disciples 
are ringing out to us right now in real time in this day and in this moment. John chapter 14 is a powerful, powerful text for this day, the first Sunday of September, Labor Day Sunday 2021, because we find ourselves in the middle of troubled times. We find ourselves searching for answers to the twists and the turns and the cares of this world and wondering, where shall we go? What are the answers to some of the questions that we have? Now, as I look into the text, I want to just quickly point out three things that I hope will be a help to you today as we think about living in troubled times. The first thing that I see in verse number one is that Jesus is telling his disciples to not allow trouble to control you. Notice Jesus does not say that the Christian life is the absence of trouble. Come unto me and you will have no trouble. You will not be weary. You will not have heaviness in your life. You will not have stress in your life. Jesus never promised that anywhere in his word. What he did promise is that we can live life in such a way that the troubles of this world, it will not control us. Now, look at me this morning, Christian. I, uh, my heart, I want to be, be very direct today, all right, and get right to the point. There are some of you right now who call yourself a Christian, and you're letting troubles control you. You're letting the trouble of our country, the trouble of the virus, uh, the trouble that you see going on around you, you are allowing that to control you. Now, I know it would be easy for someone to say, well, Pastor Tim, uh, you have just got your head in the sand. You're just trying to ignore things. If you'll ignore things, they'll just go away. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, or what Jesus is saying to us today, is don't let your hearts be overcome by turmoil. Now, why would he say that to the disciples in this moment? Well, there are three places where the scripture says that the disciples were troubled. They were troubled over three things. Number one, Jesus had just told them he's going to leave. He's not going to be there with them. Uh, he's not going to be there to hold their hand, so to speak. I mean, think about the beauty of the God-man Jesus being on this earth with the disciples, and he was near to them in flesh, but he was about to leave, and he would no longer be in sight. Uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians that we no longer regard Christ according to the flesh. In other words, Jesus in his physical body is not here with us right now on the earth, and Jesus is warning them, guys, I'm about to leave. And the disciples are troubled over, first of all, that he's leaving. And we'll see in just a minute. Second of all, they're wondering, where are you going? At the same meal, Jesus had just gandered around the table, catching eyes from person to person. And he told them that one of them was about to betray him. You know, from reading your Bible, the rest of the story, that man was Judas who actually ended up hanging himself because he betrayed the Lord over 30 pieces of silver. But as the disciples heard that, sitting around the table, they're all, they're all troubled. They're all uptight. Is it me? 
Who's going to be the betrayer? And then Jesus said, one of you is not only going to betray me, but one of you is going to deny me. Go with me to Caiaphas' house. Jesus is arrested and he is placed in the dungeon. And just outside, one of his disciples, Peter, is standing by the fire, warming his hand. And you know the story, the rooster crows, and three times Peter denies the Lord. The beauty of John chapter 21, of course, is that Peter is eventually restored back into fellowship with the Lord. But in real time, come back to John 13 and and 14, as Jesus says, one of you is going to deny me. One of you is going to turn your back on me. I would just add to that, that we live in a day today where we see people denying the Lord, denying the Lord in many different ways, rejecting him. And even sadly, some who are in the church and around the church are walking away from the church, denying the faith, denying the Lord. The disciples are troubled, so troubled in their spirit over this. Jesus just says to them, don't let your heart be troubled. How many of you know that just hearing that statement, it would be easy for someone to say, well, that's easy for you to say. Or you don't know what I'm going through. Several years ago, as I sat in my office, I was studying this text, and I came across the fact that there were three times in the Bible where Jesus was troubled in his spirit. He was troubled, of course, at the death of Lazarus. John chapter 11, verse 35 Jesus wept in his humanity and in his flesh. He didn't turn his head away. He didn't ignore what was going on here on this earth. He was moved by that. He was moved by seeing the people around him hurt, the pain that they were in. And then, of course, of losing his friend, Lazarus. John chapter 12, as Jesus is praying, he's pondering the hour as it gets closer when he would go to the cross and be crucified. It says that Jesus was troubled in his spirit as the hour began to approach. So here's something in Jesus' life and his flesh that is in front of him. He knows that it's going on. At the same time, he's troubled in chapter 13 because he's going to be betrayed by Judas. Friends, I want to maybe bring you a little comfort today to say that if Jesus found himself troubled in difficult, tumultuous times, what makes us think we won't be? We're all facing things that trouble us. And our Lord and Savior, who has troubled himself, says to his disciples, don't let your heart be troubled. How is that possible? I remember back in 2002, you've heard me say this before, and I had a conversation with someone this week in our church, just this past Friday, a young couple in our church, Jacob, the husband, buried his father at his funeral. He passed away from COVID. And I was talking to him on the phone this week, and I said, Jacob, how old was your dad? And he said, he was 57. I said, man, I said, my dad was 57. I remember back in 2002 when we got the word that my my dad had brain cancer and then he had had, uh, brain surgery and 
They told us they were able to remove 98% of the tumor, but it was an aggressive kind and it would come back. And, and sure enough, we began the treatments and they told us, you know, basically he had nine to 13 months. And sure enough, he lived exactly 13 months. But I remember in that, in that troubled time, we were living in Atlanta. We were not able to be there every day and uh, for everything that was going on. But I remember I made a trip from Atlanta over to uh, Birmingham to visit with my dad. And I walked in his house one day and I had called and let him know we were almost there. And when I walked in, my dad immediately told me to sit down. He had the CD player queued up and with tears in his eyes, he said, son, somebody brought me this song. And he said, it's really been ministering to me. And he said, I want you to hear it. And so my dad began to play a song by the Brooklyn Tabernacle. And the name of the song is My Life is in Your Hands. The song is actually written by Kirk Franklin. And the words begin like this. You don't have to worry. And don't you be afraid. Because joy comes in the morning. Troubles, they don't last always. For there's a friend named Jesus who will wipe your tears away. And if your heart is broken, just lift your hands and say, I know that I can make it. I know that I can stand no matter what may come my way. My life is in your hands. Now, that's not scripture, but I believe those words resonate with us today here in John chapter 14. That as a believer, we hear the words of the Lord. We hear the Holy Spirit now whispering into our mind and into our hearts. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be overwhelmed by all of this turmoil. How is that even possible? Well, he goes on to say, you believe in God, believe also in me. There's a matter of faith here. There's a matter of trust. We trust and we believe that even in our pain, even in our tears, even in our weariness, as I talked with a pastor this week who had done six funerals in 10 days, feeling overwhelmed, just feeling a heavy burden, even in the midst of our burdens, we believe, we trust, we trust in the name of the Lord. We believe in God. Jesus says to his disciples, you need to trust me. You need to rely on me. You need to put your confidence in me. Friends, my confidence today is not in this world or the things of this world. My confidence is not in medicine. My confidence is not in man. My confidence is not in the government. My confidence is in the Lord. Because he said just before he left that he would never leave us or forsake us. Now watch, for the disciples, he was going to literally disappear. He's going to ascend back into heaven. And, and he was not going to physically be there with them in body, in flesh. But he reminded them that he is with them and of what he's doing. Notice verse number two, he begins to talk about heaven. And the second thing I want to just point out in this text 
is that as we live this life, even in the midst of our trouble, that we always must keep eternity in mind. Jesus said, in my Father's house, the ESV says, are many rooms. The old King James says, there are many mansions. The word there is a dwelling place. And there are some things that point back over the centuries, the Vulgate and other places that, uh, that translate this to be a mansion. When Jesus does something, if Jesus builds something uh, for his children, he's going to do it right. But the word there is dwelling places. I don't know exactly what heaven is going to be like, all of the specific details, but I think the beauty of heaven is not that I've got a mansion over the hilltop. The beauty of heaven is I'm going to be with Jesus, and he's going to wipe all the tears away from my eyes. What is he doing right now? Jesus said, I'm going there, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. He's preparing a place. Missy and I are getting a little bit older, and so our daughter Rebecca, of course, is married and moved away, and sometimes her and Josh will come visit, or we'll have some other family that will come into town, and they'll stay with us. And boy, when we know the hour is approaching, Misty goes into preparation mode. I'm telling you, that's the only time some of us will vacuum under the cushions on the couch, right? I'll ask her, why are we cleaning this? They're they're not going to see my closet. But there's a preparation, right? A preparation mindset that the children are coming home, that the family's coming home. And that little illustration, I think, gives us a picture of what we as believers are feeling today. As we regularly say, even so come Lord Jesus. And Jesus is saying to us right now, I'm preparing a place. I'm getting it ready. All of the mess, all the struggles, all the pain, all the difficulty, all the sorrow, all the things you're going through now, it's just temporary. Live now in the moment. Live through the struggle. Live through the tragedy. Live through the heartache, knowing that heaven is our home. Always keep eternity in your mind. You know, um, it's hot. It's been hot for a while here. I'm tired of sweating. Uh, You know, you go outside. We're in those dog days here on the Gulf Coast, August and September. And I said to someone just the other day, I'm, I'm looking forward to August and November when that humidity comes down and the weather gets a little bit cooler and and, and I won't have to sit on the back porch and drink a cup of coffee and sweat in the morning, right? It just reminds me of the seasons, the seasons of life. The seasons come and go. And, and as that song, uh, words just a minute ago uh, said, troubles, they don't last always. You see, as Christians, we're not going to live perpetually for eternity in trouble and in problems. Jesus said, I've gone to prepare a place for you. And because I've done that, I want you to know that I will come again. I believe this. If you disagree with me, that's okay. But more and more every day, I believe that pastors right now need to be preaching more about the imminent return of Christ. I'm not talking about wackadoodle 
predicting dates or saying that it's going to happen this year or trying to piece Bible prophecy into the book of Revelation. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about creation is groaning. The signs of the times are everywhere. Jesus is coming again. And many people right now are asleep. Many Christians today are so encapsulated by their trouble that they can't see that victory is just ahead, that we're almost to the finish line. And I've got to ask you today, are you ready for that moment? When Jesus comes again, are you prepared? Some of you, some of you, please hear me. Some of you are living in apathy and lethargy, and you're so twisted up in the things of this world. There are things in your life that you know you would do. You know you would do it if you knew that Jesus was coming today. And God told me to tell you, get busy and do it because Jesus is coming again and he's going to receive his children. Hear me, this is not going to be a universalistic moment. This is not a moment when the Muslims and the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses and and and, and cults around the world, uh, the, uh, uh, the Buddhists and the Hindus and, and on and on. This is not going to be a moment where we're all going to come together as one world religion. Oh, no, friends. I don't believe in universalism. You may work and, and draw and, and deconstruct until midnight. But I'm telling you, there's only one group of people, only one, that are going to go when he comes. And that is those who have repented of their sins and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, those are the ones I'm coming for. Now, in chapter 13, Peter had already asked Jesus, hey, where are you going? Where is it that you're going? And Jesus said, it's, it's not the moment. It's not the moment for you to know. But here in chapter 14, verse number 2, and then again in verse number 6, Jesus tells him, I'm going here. But in the middle of this, Thomas, Thomas has some apprehension. As a matter of fact, Thomas wants some facts. You know, I, I've met a lot of people like that. Maybe, maybe some of you are like that. You know, you, you've got some apprehension. Uh, you're maybe analytical, and you just deal in facts. We're dealing facts, right? Well, Thomas has is, is got some questions. He's got some doubts. That's why for 20 centuries now, he's known as Doubting Thomas, right? And, and Jesus said, this is where I'm going. But Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And this moment for all the disciples knew is Jesus was going to go to another region in the Middle East. They didn't know where he was. Lord, how can we know the way? And Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way. I am the way. Now, I want you to hear me for just a minute. I think there is a basic understanding in this room right now, online, that, that most of you understand and believe that Jesus is the way. In other words, Jesus is the only one that can bring salvation. He says about himself, I'm the only one that can get you to the Father. But I want you to think with me for just a minute about that word way, way. That word there means the path or the road, the path or the road. So when we ask someone, uh, hey, can you, could you show me the way? 
How, how do I get there? You don't begin to describe the destination. You begin to describe the journey. Go here, turn left. Go here, turn right. You'll notice this landmark, and you're almost there. And so you, you literally describe the way to get to the destination. Church, hear me today. Jesus is not only the destination. Jesus is the way. Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, and he said, we we find ourselves in troubled times. We're perplexed on every side. We're knocked down. We feel defeated, but we're not destroyed. You know what Paul was saying? The Christian life's not easy. Living in this world is not easy. And that's why day by day, a Christian lives in the way. We have the roadmap. We have the plan. We have the way that Jesus has shown us to live our lives. My question to you is, are you fully committed to Christ? There's some of you listening to my voice that you you profess to be a Christian, but you're not passionately taking the steps that the Word of God says to follow Him like you should. Let me give you one example. Next Sunday, we're going to have baptism here at the church. There's some of you that need to get in the baptismal waters. You put it off. You've made excuses. You've talked about all the reasons why you're going to do it here or there or not going to do it. Some of you were baptized as infants, and you know scripturally the Bible says be baptized as a public profession of your faith in Christ, Jesus is coming again. And I just want to ask you today, do you want to stand in front of the Lord and give him all the reasons why you didn't do what he called you to do? I'm at a place in my ministry now where I really think twice before I try to convince somebody of what they already know they should do for the Lord. I'm just saying it's time to get serious. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the aletheia. He is the truth. And Jesus is the zoe. He's the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. I don't know about you. I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm not sinless. But I know that Jesus is coming again. And when he comes, I I, want to do the best I can to be ready. To be ready. In these troubled times, in these troubled times, let's let's remember to don't be controlled by the trouble, to live every day with eternity in mind, knowing that Jesus is there preparing a place for us. And let's live our lives every day knowing and keeping our eyes on the way, the way, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. He's coming again. As I was thinking about uh, landing the plane for the sermon today, I was just thinking back again to the song I mentioned a few minutes ago. My dad mashed play. I heard those words, and now almost 20 years they've been ministering to me, and I just really wish they could minister to you today. Whatever your situation is, whatever you're going through, some of you have got some real trouble. You do. I know about it. I know you've got family that are physically not well. You've got things in front of you financially and relationally and emotionally. And my heart goes out to you today. My, how much we need to pray for one another. Pray for one another. 
But as we land the plane today and finish up the message, I, I want you to hear those words that I heard that day sitting in the living room of my dad as he mashed play. I want you to hear those words. And, and just as they have ministered to me so many times through the years, I want you to let them to minister to you right now. Would you do that? My life is in your hands.